Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take your Bibles, if you wouldn't, open up to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus as we continue our series in called out to call in. Exodus, if you would. And... uh, We're going to take a look at a couple portions of Scripture, but turn first to Exodus chapter 4, if you would. Exodus chapter 4, and we will take a look at what the Word of God has to say today. We're going to be in Exodus uh, 7 through 10, but uh, we're going to start in Exodus uh, chapter 4, if we could. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 23. And I say unto thee, let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1 says, And afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Verse 3 of chapter 5. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 16. And thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go that they may serve me. In the wilderness, and behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and saith to him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 9 and verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 9 and verse 13. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 3. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 26. Our cattle also shall go with us, and there shall not an hoof be left behind. For therefore we must take to serve the Lord our God. 
And we know not what uh, we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. Serve me. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to open up your word. And Lord, I pray that you would take your word and use it in the lives of your people. And Lord, I ask that your grace would work in and through me. Lord, I pray that that if there's one here listening, watching online, or one here physically that does not know you, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would come to know you, that they would relinquish their old way of living and, and follow you, that they would be called out to be called in, that they would stop serving themselves and start serving you. Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with the service, and we thank you for it to this point. And, Lord, I pray that you would continue to add unto the church daily such as should be saved. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've entitled this message, Serve Me. Have you ever noticed those... uh, When you go to a restaurant, those servers who serve because they love what they do. And then there's those servers who serve because they have to. There is a major, major difference between those who are obligated to serve and those who love to serve. I don't know about you, but it's very frustrating to me to go to an establishment and to expect a certain level of service, and in turn receive something very underwhelming. You know, part of the experience of going out to a place is to experience the service, you know. And, and there's nothing better than a joyful, happy, delighted server. And those of us who are believers in Christ... You know, we've been called to serve one another. The Scripture teaches us that. And that's one sense of the word that's found in Scripture. But in this section of Scripture, we see the word being used in a much more broad way than we would naturally think. The Hebrew word here for serve or service can also be rendered worship. And that's what God is asking his people to do. You see it over and over again that they would serve me, that they would serve me, that they would serve me. You can find throughout the Old Testament where service and worship are linked together in other portions of Scripture. You can find where it's mentioned that they went and they served the idols. And so uh, what it's saying there that they worshiped the idols, that they gave allegiance unto the idols. So the, the, the focus for us this morning is going to be on the principle of worship. In Exodus 7 through 10, as we're going to look at this morning, many of us know this narrative in Scripture. It's the first nine plagues that God pronounces upon the nation of Egypt. 
And to be honest with you, there, there is so much packed into uh, chapters 7 through 9 that it would take us a very long time to unpack it all. And so as I was preparing this message and thinking about what week it was and also thinking about what Sunday it was and realizing how much turkey you had in you, I decided that we'll just look at a couple principles instead of letting that turkey set in and you fall asleep on me much more quickly than you would otherwise. But in all seriousness, there is a lot to unpack in this portion of Scripture. But I, I want us to just look at some overarching truths from this portion of Scripture this morning. And the central truth that I would like you to take home with you today, you can write this down. Write this down. This is the central truth. God's ultimate aim for your life is only to worship him. God's ultimate aim for your life is only to worship him. You know, it, it's very likely, friends, that if we are not continually and deliberately keeping watch over ourselves, Paul tells Timothy that in the New Testament, that we are to watch ourselves, keep a watch over ourselves, he says, ourselves and our doctrine. But let's face it, you, you know this to be true, that if we do not continually and deliberately keep watch over ourselves, that what happens to us naturally is that we drift from only worshiping God to worshiping something or someone other than God. You say, well, wait a second, Pastor. I, I don't worship anything but God. Uh, let's back up for a little bit. Because many times we drift into that. I believe our heart's desire any serious Christian does not desire to worship anything but God. We want that. But the pull in our life, if you will, the undercurrent of the waves that take us away, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, that, that pull us in another direction, what happens is it's not that we are, are, are not worshiping God, but we are worshiping God and fill in the blank. But see, God's ultimate aim for you is to only worship him. Amen. It's not God and. Amen. It's God and that's it. Amen. So our, our, our heart needs to be brought back into the place where you and I are focused only in worshiping God. So then my question is, if it's a natural proclivity for all of us because we have the sin nature, right? Because we're humans. And let's face it, there's a lot of draw around us. You know, I, I'm really, every week I'm facing an uphill battle with you folks. Every week you're bombarded by everything in the world. And then many times I only get an hour with you. And so I'm facing an uphill battle here. But the one thing that I know is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But with that said, we can take some Bible principles and if we apply them to our life, we can keep from drifting. And if we write these things down, we mark these things and we, we study these things out and we say, wait a second, I am going to deliberately Seek to only worship God. Listen, you will never drift into 
seeking to only worship God. You don't drift into that, but you do drift out of only worshiping God. To only worship God and him be the primary, the, the, the priority, if you will, in your life, it takes deliberate action on the part of the Christian. Because just like I said, you are bombarded all week by everything else. Let's face it, 98% of the stuff that you hear is anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-Bible. Let's face it, that is the reality of the world that we live in. We do not live in a Christian world. We live in a post-Christian world. And in many respects, that can be a good thing for us. Why? Because you've heard it said before, the darker the night, the brighter the light. We can be a greater witness. But how can you and I keep from drifting into worshiping something else or someone else other than God? Here's the first truth. Remember, God wants you permanently liberated. Remember, God wants you permanently liberated. Take a look at Exodus chapter 3, if you would, please. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. How can we keep from drifting? Remember, God wants you permanently liberated. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Take a look at verses 17 and 18 of chapter 3. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction... Of, of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice and thou shalt come, thou and thy elders of Israel unto the king of Egypt and ye shall say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us and now let us go, we beseech thee three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Now take a look at Exodus chapter 6 and verse 7. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into, uh, in unto the land concerning which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord." The way that we keep from drifting is to remember that God wants you permanently liberated. God was calling the Hebrew people out of their current condition, out of the way of life that they were, that they were living. And, and he wanted to take them from where they were, call them out, and to call them into a new way of living, into a new land. God was not just going to set them free, if you will, for a few days or months or even years. There was a permanent liberation for the Jews. God was taking them out from underneath the bondage and the burden and the brutality of Egypt into a land that was bountiful and blessed. 
And this is a picture of what God has done for all of those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. He wants us to remember that when we got saved, we were permanently liberated from death, from sin, and the grave. See, God has given us salvation as a permanent liberation from the old life, from the old man, from the old way. See, the chains of Slavery to sin no longer exists for us. We, we no longer have to serve the old master. Turn over to Romans, if you would, please. Remember, if you want to keep from drifting, remember that God wants you permanently liberated. God wants you permanently liberated. Take a look at Romans chapter 6, if you would, please. We no longer have to serve the old master. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism in the death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Take a look at verse 6. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Take a look at verses 12 through 14 of Romans 6. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield. Why? Because you've been liberated. Don't go back to that. Neither yield your members of instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. You've been liberated, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You've been liberated, for sin shall not have dominion over you. You've been liberated, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. You've been liberated. This is what God has done for you. Verse 17, but God be thanks that ye were, were, you might want to circle that, were. You were the servants of sin. You were in bondage. You were underneath the brutality of, if you will, in quotes here, uh, of Egypt. You were the servant of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Friends, this morning, our liberation is a permanent liberation from sin, and we need to keep a watch over ourselves, keep a watch over the pool of sin in our lives that will cause us to worship something or someone else other than God. But listen, God did not just liberate you from sin so that you can be liberated. Remember, he did not just liberate the the nation of Israel just so they could be free. This is where most people miss it when you you hear about this this, uh, free grace and you you hear about this this liberal idea of grace. Well, God set me free and I can live any way that I want now. Wait a second. Wait, Wait a second. The Old Testament teaches us something about grace. God did set the nation of Israel free but he set them free for a purpose. The same word that was used underneath serving Pharaoh when they served rigorously under Pharaoh is the same word that is used for them to go serve the Lord and worship him. 
So what God was saying is the reason that he has set you free this morning, the reason that he has set me free this morning is not so that I can just go live any way I want and not so that I can, I've got all this grace, I can do whatever I want and there's going to be no repercussions. No, that's not what God is saying. God is saying I've set you free for a purpose and that purpose is to serve me. You know, he's saying to worship me. You once served. You once served sin. You, you, matter of fact, when we were underneath sin, we couldn't help but serve sin. We had no choice but to serve sin. Talk about a horrible master. But now because God has liberated us, we are free to serve, to worship him. And every time we make, listen, we make the deliberate choice to go back, we're worshiping something else. If you want to keep yourself from drifting, and I want to keep myself from drifting into worshiping someone else or something else other than God, remember, God has permanently liberated you. You say, what are you trying to get across to us? By the grace of God, I don't have to go back. By the grace of God, I don't have to do that. By the grace of God, I don't have to respond that way. By the grace of God, I don't have to have those wrong motivations. By the grace of God... If you remember that God's permanently liberated you, you won't drift. It's like this. It's like when our, if you remember our country and the history of our country, we had a time where we enslaved other human beings. And there were some, there are stories of some that when they were set free from being enslaved, when they were free, they still went back and lived like a slave. You know what the sad reality is? We would look at that and we'd say, why? You're free. You're free. Go. Go, go. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to live underneath that burden anymore. You don't have to live underneath that brutality anymore. You don't have to live being degraded as a human being anymore. You don't have to live that way anymore. My friends, we would look at that and we would shake our head. We're saying, that's so sad. Somebody tell them. Somebody help them. Somebody bring them into your home or or whatever. Rescue them. Go get them. Go, Go do whatever you can to be able to help them realize that they are free. And as sad as that is to us to be able to think about that, what is more sad is that there are those who are Christians who live like they're enslaved. Remember, if you don't want to drift into worshiping someone else or something else, 
Remember, God has permanently liberated you. Number two, if you're going to keep from drifting, from worshiping someone else or something else, put this down. God wants you to act upon the truth. See, some of those who were set free at one time in our nation that didn't live like it was what? They didn't act upon the truth. And the reasons that Christians do not uh, live like they're liberated, if you will, is because they're not acting upon the truth. See, if we act upon the truth of God's word, we're not going to drift. You realize that? The only time that we drift, the only, the only time that we drift is when we, we're disobedient to the word. What happens when we don't act upon the truth of God's word? I believe that Pharaoh, yes, Pharaoh in this text can teach us what happens to a human being when they don't act upon the truth of God's word. Pharaoh, you say Pharaoh can teach us this? Yes. There are approximately, approximately 20 times between chapter 4 and 14 in some form or fashion that it says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Approximately 20 times from chapters 4 to 14. And though it's not in the scope of this sermon this morning to unpack all that means for God to uh, harden Pharaoh's heart and, and Pharaoh's heart to be hardened, it's just not in the scope of this message. I, I don't have time to be able to unpack that. The point is that Pharaoh heard the truth, but he refused to listen and act upon the truth. See, God shared with Moses that Pharaoh would reject the request. Take a look at um, Exodus chapter 3, if you will. God shared with Moses that Pharaoh would actually reject the request that Moses was going to give to Pharaoh about letting his people go. Take a look at Exodus chapter 3. This was part of God. God was giving Moses a glimpse into the future. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 19. Look at what it says there. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. God in his foreknowledge already knew the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a man that would not, he refused to listen and act upon the word of God. Now listen, here we go. Each time he heard the word of God through Moses, he hardened his heart. Pharaoh was a man who was given over to evil and knowingly did things to harm the people of God. We can see that in Scripture, can we not? He refused to acknowledge God as God of Israel and, and God as the God of all gods. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world, and he was not going to have anybody tell him what to do. What Pharaoh was saying is what many people say today. You're not the boss of me. No one tells me what to do. We resist, folks, listen, we resist and even resent being told what to do. You know, I remember back in the day when preachers would get up and they would just preach the paint off the walls. And if the preacher said it, you better do it. Because the preacher might come calling. Now, 
that can be good and that can be bad. Because some of the things that were said from the pulpit were not Bible at all, okay? But nowadays, to be honest with you, being a pastor of a church and preaching to people, there is no regard for what is said in many respects. Well, this is what's said. Well, that's just his opinion about the Word of God. Well, that's not how I see it. Listen, listen, side note. It's not what Scripture means to you. That is false theology. Listen, it's not what, well, that's not what Scripture means to me. No, Scripture only means one thing. There are many applications, but there is only one meaning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. There is one meaning. Everybody's a sinner. God loves everybody. Salvation is free for everybody, but there's many applications. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, wait a second. The meaning is that you can't get to heaven without Jesus Christ. There's many applications to that in one's life, but there is only one meaning of that. We must learn to act upon the truth of God's word. And Pharaoh says, you're not going to tell me what to do. We resent being told what to do, folks. We do. Let's face it. In many respects, we are like Pharaoh. One author said it this way, he would not listen. We tend to use this as a descriptor of children. We say, well, that child, they just won't listen. But in fact, it could be a description of our culture. People do not listen to the word of God. Christians sometimes talk about turning a conversation towards spiritual things as we attempt to share the good news but the reality is that non-Christians are far more adept at turning a conversation away from spiritual issues. Underlying this is Pharaoh's question, who is the Lord that I should obey him? Why should I let God meddle in my affairs? Why should I let someone else have the final say in my life? You know what I find, friends? Christians aren't immune to that attitude. We try and limit our obedience Instead of throwing ourselves body, soul, and spirit into God's service, we try to limit what we do. What's the least that I can do and get away with? How far do I have to go? Why should I deny my feelings? See, Pharaoh is a case study in the deceitfulness of sin because we do not act upon the truth. And what happens to us is every time, now listen, this is very important. Every time we hear the word of God or we read the word of God and we do not act upon the truth of the word of God, our hearts are becoming hardened. Every time we hear the word of God or read the word of God and do not act upon the truth of God's word, our hearts are becoming hardened. Amen. The hardening of our hearts causes us to drift into worshiping someone else or something else other than God. 
You know what I found with the hardening of our hearts if we're not careful? The hardening of our hearts removes reason from our thinking. We start to find excuses, both you and I, why we're not following God's word, don't we? Well, God just doesn't understand. Yes, he does. He understands a whole lot better than you and I understand. And what happens is when we start making excuses for why we're not acting upon the truth of God's word, we naturally go into deeper and deeper sin. Uh, Serve me. Pharaoh, let my people go that they may go serve me. They were serving you. I'm calling them out to call them in. They once were servants of yours, and they once, if you will, fell down and worshipped you, but now I'm calling them out to call them in to serve me. I'm going to give them a land. They're going to be a distinct people. If we're not careful, we can drift from worshiping God. God wants you to remember something. If you want to keep from drifting, you want to keep from drifting, remember this. God wants you to be, permanent li- to be permanently liberated. Remember that. And he wants you to act upon the truth. Act upon it. Don't be as Paul said that knowledge puffs up. We've got a lot of head knowledge, but we have no application. Then thirdly this morning, God wants you to live in the object, objective reality of who he is. Number three, God wants you to live in the objective reality of who he is. What does it mean? What does that mean, objective reality? A truth that is based upon facts, not feelings. For example, here's a fact. Here's an objective truth. I own a car. That's an objective truth. Now, a subjective truth would be, I miss my truck. That's based on feelings, right? God wants us to live in the objective reality of who he is. He's not negating the subjective. No, he does want us to come to him with a heart of love. But the truth is, sometimes our hearts aren't as warm as they once were. The Pharaoh and the nation of Israel here, or the the nation of Egypt, refused to acknowledge God for who he was. See, really, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they were really ahead of their time. They were thoroughly postmodern. They were thoroughly postmodern. They believed in a God... And they believed in many gods. They had the sun god, Ray. They had the many gods of the Niles. They had frog gods that had frog heads. And they had all different kinds of gods. So they, they were really postmodern. A matter of fact, Pharaoh himself was seen as a god. The issue for Pharaoh was, it, it, it was not that there is no god. Pharaoh was not an atheist. The issue for Pharaoh was, well, there's no such thing as God. No, no, no. He was not an atheist. The issue for Pharaoh was that why should I listen to your God when I've got a God of my own? 
Pharaoh was not uh, offended that the Hebrews had their own God. Pharaoh had no problem with the, the, the Hebrews developing a religious system and, and worshiping uh, their God. What he had a problem with is that this God of Israel might have a claim on him. Don't impose your beliefs upon me. You ever hear that? And God was teaching Pharaoh and the nation of Israel, or the Egyptians, through the plagues, that he was the only true and relevant God. Really, these plagues, you can see them in, in 7 through 10. And again, we're not going to go into them, but you can see them. They were actually a sermon against the notion. Now, listen, you ever see that? Let me back up and say, you ever see that bumper sticker that says coexist and it's got all the different religions? In it? That is a bunch of hogwash. That's a bunch of hogwash. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not against those people. They don't know any better. They're unsaved. But the plagues of, of Egypt that God, that God poured out upon Egypt are, are a sermon against the notion that all religions are valid and that all religions say that I, have a belie I can believe to live my life how I want to live it. See, the sermon was very clear that there is only one God. And he alone is to be worshipped. All around Pharaoh, later on in chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10, as the plagues continue to come, one after the other, after the other, after the other, his world was coming crashing down around him. There was disintegration and the chaos and, and the darkness and death. And, and what happens to us, Pharaoh teaches us something. When we don't live on the objective truth of who God is daily, something similar will happen to us. See, folks, when we don't live in the objective truth that there is only one God what I found in many churches today is that most Christians live as practical atheists. We live as practical atheists. Many times throughout our day, we don't even acknowledge God. Let, a lot, let alone, I mean, it, it, let alone, you know, hey, folks, you ought to spend time in the Word every day. Hey, folks, you ought to be praying every day. Hey, folks, you ought to be memorizing Scripture every day. Man, in the 21st century, for my, my, I don't know how many times some... Um, one of my mentors has told me over and over again, he said, man, I feel sorry for you for pastoring. He's pastored for years and years and years. He said, I feel sorry for you young guys. I thought we had it bad. Many times we don't even acknowledge God. And when we don't live in the objective truth of who God is, we tend to drift See, what happens is we were made, folks, we were made to live in obedience and dependence on God. When we reject God as our sole object of service slash worship, we become unmade. Now listen, did you hear me? We were made to live in obedience and dependence on God. And when we reject God, God as our sole object of service and worship, we become unmade. What happens? 
our psychological and physical lives become disordered. The result is emotional darkness, mental breakdown, relational conflict, and physical addictions. This author goes on to say, sickness has entered the world, and we're all heading for death, the ultimate act of uncreation. It's very easy to be intimidated in our culture. For one, biblical perspectives on marriage, sex, gender, other religions, self-denial, and so on are not only seen as wrong, but increasingly these views, they are seen as a deviant position, as an unhealthy position, as an unnatural position, or even hateful. And let's face it, folks, none of us want to be thought in that way. So the temptation is, it's always there, isn't it? To kind of downplay it, to kind of edit it or update Christian teachings as we speak to simply get through it. Or what we'll do is we just don't say anything, we just keep our heads down. See, friends, this morning, Exodus 7 through 10 revealed to us that God wants worshipers for himself and generations to come. He sends the plague so that the, Egypt, so that the Hebrews can be set free to worship him. And God sent his son so that we could be set free to worship him and him alone. We were not set free so that we could live our lives any way that we want. We were set free so that we would worship him. Pastor, how do I keep from drifting? Remember, you've been permanently liberated. Remember, you've got to act upon the truth. Remember, you must live in the object reality of who God is. He is the one true God. He is the God above all. And if he says it, we're to act upon it and to proclaim it in love. Who are you serving? If we were to put all of our lives through the past week up on this screen this morning, everything that we've done for, what is it, 168 hours in a week? Everything that we've done, thought, acted, motivations, everything, on the screen for everybody to see would people in this auditorium, would you be able to judge by my life that I serve God this week? If I put your life up there, would I be able to judge by your life that you serve God this week? Who do you serve? The prophets of old said, with their mouths, right? They offer praise to me. They say all the right things. But he goes on to say, their heart is far from me. Amen. Folks, God brought this judgment upon the nation of Egypt to show them and the world that there is only one true God and it is he who is only worthy of our worship.
Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted Him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in Him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below. Click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.